Welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. I'm Jay Late Night Larson. And I'm Lyndon Chalky Cabellion. In each episode, we will be talking to different surfers and surf shops to learn more about them and their passion for surfing. We will be diving deep into their experiences as well as their involvement and contributions to their local communities. Be sure to check out our website and Instagram feed for updates on future shows. Thank you for your support and we look forward to sharing these great stories with you. And now a word from our sponsors. Yes, we got sponsors. First up, Foo Wax. The best wax in the game. This stuff is so sticky and grippy, you'll never slip off your stick again. Ever. Ever. Again. So go to your local surf shop. And, and make sure they carry it. And if they don't, demand it. Demand it. You'll be stoked. Try it out. Our next sponsor, Bonsai Bowls. Oh. I know a lot of our listeners have, have had one of these. And if they haven't, they're going to now. They're missing out. They're missing out. It's a healthy, delicious, amazing, fresh acai bowl with tons of fruit and organic like ingredients. They've got five locations in Southern California. From Huntington to San Clemente and all in between. Two in Hawaii. Two in Hawaii for that, those on the North Shore. And, um, you know, come support these guys. They have amazing Asahi bowls and they support the West Coast board riders and a lot of the surf events up and down the coast. And they've made it a lot easier With to get them. They've got their own app now. That's right. Go to your app store and download Bonsai Bowl app and you can pre-order, prepay, and just go pick up. Cut cut through the line. And for our listeners of the Late Night with Chalky podcast, you're going to get 15 off your next bowl. A 15% discount off yes. Bonsai Bowls. That's insane. Um, so make sure to mention the Late Night with Chalky podcast and you get 15% off That's at right. Bonsai Bowls. And one of our other favorite restaurants, oh, Caliente, Caliente OC. Caliente Southwest.com. They offer healthy Mexican style food with local uh, organic ingredients. Family owned. Family owned. Their phone number is 949-515-0909. And our listeners get 15% off there as well. Yeah. So mention Late Night with Chalky Podcast and get 15% off at Caliente OC. And both these guys are great at catering events. So you could use them for a shop event, corporate event, birthday event, wedding, all of the above. They love to party. And last but not least, we are super stoked to welcome Olo Clip as a new sponsor of the Late Night with Chalky podcast. What is Oloclip? Uh, they make the original mobile lens system for your phone. So these can make clips that hold the lenses, the cases that are designed to make it really easy to get the clip on the phone. So check them out at oloclip.com. And for all the Late Night with Chalky podcast listeners, they get 10% off. That's, that's huge. Huge. So at checkout, the code is SURF10, that's S-U-R-F, the number 10, and you get 10% off Oloclip. And you guys got to check check out our Instagram. We're going to be posting pictures with these wide, in, wide lens uh, angles, uh, fish eye, all kinds of cool like photo options with your phone. And for you uh, rich dudes out there, like late night, they do make cl- uh, <laughs> lenses for iPhone 11s. What? What? Epic. Thank you, sponsors. Thank you. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Welcome. We got a Santa Cruz 
Sir Shop owner, Big Wave Charger, Double XL winner, Big Wave world champ, and WSL broadcaster. And I'm sure people have a good idea who this is. Father. Mr. Don't forget father and husband. Father, husband. He's got an awesome son, John Mill. And we're talking to his dad, Peter Mill. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks for having me. That's a big intro. You have a lot of accolades, and we want to talk about them all. Hey, anything to keep surfing. Legends of Santa Cruz. The, the other, other surf city. Uh, whoa. Navigate through anything and everything just to check it all out. That's it. You know, this is a, a wild roller coaster ride called life, and um, we're hanging in there. Yep. All right, well, before we get to the doom and gloom of today, let's go back. <laughs> let's go back to the... It just got better, guys. It just got better. It is. It is. Now that you're on the phone with us, hell yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, let's start from the beginning, Pete. Um, <laughs> no. how, how did you... Where were you born, and how did you get into surfing? Um, I was born in Santa Cruz, California, right here, literally in this surf shop, which was down the street on 41st Avenue. My dad moved here from the North Shore. Um, Whoa. In, yeah. In 60, well, let's even go further back. He was actually from South Bay. Okay. So he grew up in Torrance um, during those era of, of that Rat Beach and, and Haggerty's and all that. So then he started these surf, um, started working on surfboards when he was down there, worked in San Diego at GNS. Anyway, he ended up on the North Shore trying to, to make a living shaping boards on the North Shore. Wow. And, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how old was he when he, uh, when he, picked up and, and went off that was mid early 20s really i mean they were pretty young nice. when they were just kind of was that was that your mom too yeah my mom too so they went to the north shore they she chased and my dad over there to do just build boards and he was building boards in a little rental house over there in mokalaya couple of hippies nice. yep pretty much <laughs> following the dream really you know and that was the place to be at the time so then they ended up getting pregnant there um and decided ah we're gonna try santa cruz so wow, yeah. that's totally two, yeah. two yeah. extremes. Yeah, there's like, there's a connection though. There is oh, a without a doubt. Yeah, surf is the connection. But I mean, again, it's surf, right? That's the common denominator. Is, is the whole reason why? But but it's, it's like not a whole lot of go, stuff going on there. Let's try it out. Yeah, it's like going from the fryer frying pan to the freezer, though. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that would be the, the the big contrast, right? But it was more about the culture and the surf, and it was a time frame during that era that business was kind of starting to grow in Santa Cruz. There was a bunch of stores that opened up in that same era. My dad did the same thing. He basically just bought it. They got a house together on 41st Avenue, which is up by our, our Capitola Mall. Um, it's gone now. It's a Best Western, but it originally was our house and our and our shop, and I was born there in Crazy. the foam dust. Yeah, so it literally had – I had no choice. I guess I was going to be surfing no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> so hey, I was you're blessed. You have yeah, any uh, siblings? I, I don't. I'm an only child, so I was... Um, that explains it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I've been told that one before. Um, yeah, I'm working on that. It's a daily, daily work in progress. So so when did your dad uh, prop you up on a board? Um, he actually, I mean, this is a funny story, but he started, um, he started me out at, at an early age, but almost maybe a little bit too early. And, and his skills of kind of throwing me into, he literally threw me into the frying pan. And I, I remember having a pretty shocker first surf with him over at Sewer Peak, which is right here at Pleasure Point. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. 
Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Um, and I, as I recall, it wasn't that fun, and, and I didn't actually want to go with them again after that. It was kind of scary. I got caught in the kelp, and then so it took me a little while to get back into it, bodyboarding with my mom down in Capitola. And I remember watching Tony Roberts. Tr was actually like yeah. out of Tola. He ripped Tola. He had the best boards. He had the best you know, look and everything. I was like, that's the guy I'm going to follow. And sure enough, you know that that was kind of just transitioned through Pleasure Point and living down in the south of Santa Cruz where I was, uh, you know, growing up in Aptos, there was a couple crew down there. So I kind of split between the east side and the south side. Um, and I grew up surfing over here and literally from the shop, it's right down the road. I'd head down to the beach, the hook and Capitola and just got into it that way. That was about 12. Um, that's, that's when you went from boogie boarding to surfing or just, uh, it would have been a little earlier than that, but like 10, yeah. 12 that summer, I would say that that was the transition to getting on a softboard and surfing. And, and I've always had a surfboard. Um, Matter of fact, actually, can I grab this thing and I'll show you my very yes. first? Yes. Yeah. I hope it's your dad. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. yeah. So this is in the store, but this board here, that is uh, my first surfboard. Whoa. And what size is it? It's uh, four. That's, I don't even know. It doesn't even, it's not even written on it. I haven't even measured it. <laughs> but it's, it's under four feet. It's a little single fin, a little bolt on it. Um, but that was, that was the board that. Um, I, you know, I had from the very beginning and it disappeared out of my life and then came back right when we opened the store here about four years ago. Wow. Um, a friend of mine brought it from Oregon, found it, uh, had it with him and held onto it forever thinking, oh, someday I'll give it to him. And sure enough, that was the perfect timing. And he brought it here and we put it on the wall. And so it's a pretty cool memento actually checking Heck it yeah. out. And your dad shaped that, right? My dad shaped it out of a broken board, I think. And just, and I helped, I signed it. Um, you know, I got, the bolt was the way to go in that time. That was early seventies and yeah. Jerry Lopez, I had the bolt and, uh, that was kind of the start. I don't think I ever really rode that board. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> rode it a couple times. Um, but I do actually have the board right next to it that actually I really rode. I mean, 1976 was when I, that started. So 76 would have been, I would have been actually a little earlier than that. So I would, I mean, 69, I was seven years old, eight years old. I had that board. Wow. Wow. <laughs> which I kept in and rode and that was a board. So I started pretty early. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. When you, when you uh, have a dad that's frothing to get you out in the water a little too early, that could be detrimental. Yeah. It, it took a bit. I mean, but my mom was a beach bunny too. And so we had the store, she would take me down to the beach. Her girlfriend had down at Catola. That was the place that was so, they had a pretty cool little surf scene. There was a, you know, first jetty had a little like suck out right that you could bodyboard and, and surf. And then second peak, as it got bigger, you, you know, it was a perfect place to learn. Yeah. Um, still probably one of the best in the world, even though a little chilly. But 
Um, you know, I owe a lot to Capitola and we're still here. I mean, I'm literally, um, on the corner, you know, Capitola in Santa Cruz right there, 41st Avenue. And, and we're still here you know, 50 awesome. years later. Yeah. That's cool. How is it? How are the wetsuits back then? So bad. Uh, surfer house. Sur- remember surfer house? No. Yeah, up fronts and no surfer house. Gosh, you are young. Dang it. I I <laughs> uh, yeah. And O'Neill, but that was the thing. So O'Neill was here, right? Um, of course. We were kind of like, competitors i guess you'd say because we were right up the street from each other we were friends but we would yeah. carry other stuff we would carry surfer house bailey wetsuits i don't know if you remember that i remember, I remember bailey. That. Yeah. yeah bailey and then alita and, and body love we we kind of carried everything but but o'neill, but O'Neill. And was it hotline got, big up there too it was yeah. it was I and mean, it took a little bit that was a little later but they they came in as well and i mean it is a hub similar to where you guys are from in huntington it's similar to the north shore i mean anywhere there's there's quality surf and and a bunch of frothing surfers generally yeah. community starts there yeah. so who was your little rat pack you like surfed with at like 12 to you know that was that was roadie i mean adam rep logo was you know he came in a lot of jeff lansing um you know all of the everyone really that'd be josh loya those were kind of a little bit later because they were west side you know yeah but east side the east side Huggies. i marcel soros dan roman steve price those were the guys that i so looked up to what is helgi actually that helgi what a helgi yeah no, what's a, a helgi okay so a guy uh <laughs> roger maris roger maris was another guy that we all looked up to when we were really really young his son chad Underhill Maris is a kid who's ripping up here right now. Um, but but Roger at the time was another one of those guys that we all looked up to. And, and he just had this own language. Actually, he lives in HB now, I think. He's actually right No down. way. Yeah, Roger Maris. We'll have to check him down. I know, you might have to. Anyway, he he had the language. And he kind of came up with Helgi. And um, we'd all have our own code. And, and that's kind of where it started. A lot of the terms i think were actually came out of santa cruz and especially the east side because they were a pretty pretty unique crew at that time that's amazing that's awesome so helgi is a young grommet surfer okay okay (laughs) just to clarify so when did uh when did you start like realizing and your dad start realizing you you had surfing talent i think well i mean we had a an event here that pleasure point that was called the, the yeah now no cord classic and that was my very first event I surfed in. And it, it literally was a pleasure point event that you'd surf in and you couldn't wear a cord. And it happened usually during uh, the wintertime. So it was like you, you have your board go to the rocks and it was this wow. huge event. And there was like this east side, west side kind of competition that happened within it. Um, again, it was right, right when, I mean, it used to be a little bit nasty, probably in the early 70s. They were pretty protective of their spots. But then it kind of grew into this kind of healthy rivalry. Um, but during that event, we'd all come together and have this event and, you know, an East Sider or a West Sider would win. It was always a pleasure point, which was good for the East Siders. But, um, there was a few of the guys who won events over the years, but that was my very first event at 12 years old. Did, did the city put it on or just the locals? <laughs> no, it was the locals. This guy, Kevin Canty, O'Neill. It was the O'Neill. Yeah. Now no court classic. They supported the event. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's come back in, in iterations over the years, but it's, it hasn't been back in a while. We might need to rekindle that one. There you go. You got a. But a pretty cool event, right? And it was a pleasure point, and everybody did it. And it was kind of the, you know, the typical event that you have all the local boys come to. It's like a board Bra- riding club now. Bra- bragging rights, right there. You know, yes. you want to, yeah, you want to show up all your your bros. What yeah, did you What did you win? Do you remember? Um, actually, one of the time, if you won, you get a trip to Hawaii. What? Um, what? Yeah, travel agent would. I mean, every year it changed a little bit, but I remember one year there was a, a literally a trip to Hawaii, which. Uh, my one year I won, I was able to get a, t- a ticket to Hawaii, which that was pretty is cool. insane. A local yeah. event with a trip to Hawaii? Yeah. 
So Jeez, I mean, we got to do one of those out here, down big here. Big party afterwards, obviously, and everybody, the community, all got together, and it was it was it's good times, you know. And it's still that way now. Uh, it really is. I mean, there's um, still a very healthy community here, and a lot of um, a lot of good people involved in it. So yeah. it's pretty cool to be a part of. Yeah, and uh, and we'll 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 jump into the West Coast board riders later, but yep. you know that again, just bringing back that kind of local community and the kind of grassroots of you know each little uh, town is cool. Sure is. So, uh, so obviously, your your dad was your first sponsor, right? Your yep. parents were first sponsor. <laughs> I think every kid's <laughs> first sponsor is their parents. But. Uh, what uh, do you remember? Who you know? Your surfing contest. Obviously, you're doing well. Um, Sorry, and we'll I talk about that. But I didn't uh, do it right away. But uh, you know, I did. I did kind of ease into it, and, and over time, it, it took a lot. We were late bloomers in Santa Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Uh, who do you, you remember? Who your first like clothing and wetsuit sponsors were? Well, um, shoot. Let's see. I mean, it, it where I was first actually cashing a paycheck, or was it just free gear? I mean, um, free gear, was, free gear, yeah, early on. My dad was um, was our major sponsor, so I, I'd usually go through you know something through the store. I mean, World Jungle was a major one for me. Oh wow! Back, yeah, Jack Denny. But you no, know, I mean, Larson late night rode for uh, World Jungle too. Yes. Really, really yeah. short period of time. Unfortunately, yeah. I love Jack. Uh, Jack was the best, right? Uh, we yeah. had a good time. We helped. You know, it was kind of a cool time for him. Um, and, you know, I got a little bit rougher towards the edge, but the end, but. Um, Man, that was fun to be a part of. But he was a big part of it. Victory wetsuits, obviously. Greg Wade out of there. Alita, even before that. Huh. Um, yeah. I've actually had my roots tied to that HP surf industry, you know, at least one way or another. From yeah. Very thing. Um, you know, and Greg Wade was a big part of my career too. I mean, he usually he used to advertise me, and, and that. So Victory was a very, you know, I'm still working with him today at Excel. So it's kind of cool that all these relationships we've fostered over the years are still solid as ever that's awesome and the guys running the uh, the brands are still around like just passionate and and you know you know setting setting the next generation up like greg's done so much yeah and it, it's good to see those companies that are still there doing that i mean there's a lot that have had changes you know and not, you know and they get a little bit too big and sometimes things change yeah yeah so you know it's kind of nice to keep those roots and keep a certain size i guess of a brand um, yeah but then there's that that always that notion of like, hey man, you build a brand and then you sell it and you go big and you bank out, right? Yeah, That's yeah. Totally yeah. dream too. So I mean, we all know that. Yeah. Yeah. So growing up in your surf shop, were you were you a slave labor? I I, you know, I, I went through different phases. I you know when I was a grom, I used to hang out in the factory a lot, right? So my dad would just babysit me there. I would I was bathing in acetone and resin and foam dust. <laughs> I was making ships out of foam and, you know, like I, I look back on those days. I was like, wow, I was able to kind of do a lot of different stuff. And, you know, I ended up shaping for there for a while. Um, uh, I still, you know, dabble in it here and there. But, um, you know, that I grew up in a surf factory and the surf shop was here too. So I I went through, you know, I never really gave it a 100%. I, the shaping part was probably the biggest part of my career during that time. It was kind of like a transition Um between yeah. the big wave thing kind of happening at a later age in my life because yeah. that was kind of a late 20s thing that that kind of came and resurged my career i guess yeah yeah i did right um but during that that era i was i was shaping a lot of boards and working in the store and so i learned a lot in retail during that period so so tell us about your amateur career did you surf the nssas wsas I almost skipped all of that, right? Um, yeah, no, so I started, the WSA was what we did. We had Doc Scott, who was a legend up here, 
still obviously kicking, man. The guy's um, done so much for the surf community in, in Santa Cruz. I mean, the, the big era was, you know, District 2. We were uh, <laughs> we were the district for NorCal. We were District, five. district 5. I know. I know. <laughs> we used to hang out with District 4 a lot, too, the, the L.A. boys. They, <laughs> they were always good and close to us, too. But uh, those were some pretty cool days. I mean, the invitationals. So we'd all have our local events, the District 2. And you'd win your opportunity to get into the invitationals. And then that's when the board riders, it really is kind of what the board riders is now. Yeah. Yeah. You'd come down in the invitationals and, and you'd, you'd be competing against the, the state. And then obviously you'd want to go to the U.S. championships. And uh, one of my first, you know, memories of a, of a final of the U.S. championships was actually at Makaha. Wow. Know, and I was going to say, Jay, you were too young for even that period of time. But that Strider was in the Yeah. Strider was in Minahuni. He was 12. That's when we all met, like Ross Williams, Shane Dorian. That's when I kind of met them, and I was all—I was twelve years old. So Sonny Garcia was in that final. David Eggers was in the final. Wow! Sick. John Shimoka was in that final. Smooth. Uh, wow! And I, Sonny won. Uh, John got second. I got third. Eggers got fourth. And I remember Eggers. I think the reason why he got fourth was because of an interference. <laughs> oh. But but I felt like I beat Eggers at the time. That was a pretty yeah. big deal because David Eggers was the guy back then. He was him and Sonny. I remember yeah. always seeing his name, you know, that, that one, the contest page in the surf mags. David Eggers was the, always, <laughs> like, number one in all of those contests. Yeah. The, the, the contest stat page at the end of the, every magazine, you just couldn't wait to see your name, like, listed on the final. In life, and it was, like, a special color, too. Remember, it was, like, a, it was made out of, like, hemp paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was. Remember, it was, like, a different paper. It definitely yeah. was. Thing. Yeah. Good old days. So, so yeah, NSSAs were a little bit part of our life. We we didn't have a, a northern district for the NSSA, so that didn't come until you know probably that seventeen or eighteen. But the you know the early competition was WSA Foley, the US champs. Then I started you know traveling. I made made a US team. I ended up traveling with Kelly when he was twelve to Oz. I actually have some classic footage that that Bruce Walker has. Wow! Of, wow! Uh, us, Chris Brown. Uh, Walt Cerny, all on that trip in Oz in 87. 84-87 was an international trip. uh, That's my first time on the Gold Coast. I went with the national team. Um, Was that your first kind of big surf trip? It was my first away from home international passported surf trip. We went went from Australia. We lost you. We went to Australia and then went to... um, Bali actually was in Bali too for that trip. Wow! With okay. uh, Bernie Baker was was a was a photographer for the trip, uh, and that was like my first time. And then we an international trip and ended up getting on the U.S. team in like a last minute entry into the into it because Bruce Walker needed somebody, and I was happening to be with the NSSA, and I tried out, and he put me on the team, and I ended up helping helping the team. I think we ended up I don't know if we won, but we got second for sure for U.S. team. Was that like blanket sponsored by like OP or is that pre like that was OP? pre-OP? No, that was pre-OP. It was pre-all of that. It was yeah. Um, I think the only thing they had was like the team tracksuits, <laughs> the NSSA national team tracksuits. I have no idea who made them. Maybe Kate <laughs> or Arena <laughs> or no? I think it was Sunset or no? Yeah, Sundeck. Sundeck did the WSA ones, the All Star teams there. That was a good one. But anyway, those are those are special days. Uh, as I recall, man, man. And that was your first time in Australia? Yep, first time in the Gold Coast. We served Duramba for the event. Um, the finals went over to Greenmount. It was wow. like one, one foot Greenmount. Oh. Kelly, won, Kelly won both the men's. No, oh, come on. 
as soon as they moved it to Green Mountain, it was like slam dunk. But uh, yeah, those are those were the days, and there's more U.S. championships after that, and then I guess the next transition was was the World Tour, right, or whatever it was at that time, which was um, just events all over the world, and you tried to surf the trials and get through. So who was uh, your sponsor uh, during that time? Quicksilver. So, well, Quicksilver came later. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, they came. They came a little bit later after Jack. I mean, Jack was a big part of that era. Um, Jack Denny at, at uh, World Jungle, because that was kind of the the time that it. Because it came even before that. It was Victory and uh, Surfers Alliance was a part of it at that point. What was Surfers it, Alliance again? What did they make? Was it clothing? <laughs> they made clothing. Okay. They, they kinda, it was like the was, first time of a a surfboard conglomerate where they they kind of partnered with different people around the world. Was it Marty Thomas on them too? Yeah. It was a good model because they'd have different shapers all over the world. And then, and then they started making apparel with it, but it was like this kind of collective, this surfboard collective that kind of started with Randy Rarick. Yeah. And And their ads were always like cartoons. I remember. Yeah. They did, they did different stuff. It was almost like the catch surf of now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. But it was a little before their time. But now catch is like, you know, you think about what they've been able to do. They revived a softboard. (laughs) Yeah. Crazy stuff. But, um, they got so Jamie I, O'Brien and Kalani Rob, the, the YouTube uh, influencers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> you got to be pretty creative these days. Yeah. Hey, you know. We had to be, cre- we had to be creative back in our day, too. Yeah. They look like they're having fun now. No, oh, no, they're having a ball. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, I mean, as soon as you can genuinely have a ball, it's, you know, how could you not get attracted to that? Isn't that pretty pretty amazing? Like, your your copy travels that when you're 12 you're still like best friends with the guys today yeah well i mean especially the guy like strider for example i mean he's he was when i he was 10 years old i was i was 12 when, yeah you know, he stayed at that year he talks about it he was staying with Sonny that year that in 84 um and i had been going to the district two events and stuff like that and so i had met him when he was nine ten years old and and we still talk pretty much every day that's so, so cool it is a, a long-term relationship, obviously different paths at different times, but always as soon as you connect, you're like, like old times, it's never changed. So who got who the job at WSL then? Uh, <laughs> we'll get there. Well, let's not talk about that yet. We'll get there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But <laughs> He got himself the job. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You guys are, you guys are awesome. So, so you, you did the, the QS at the time, right? Yes. Bud tour. It was, it was, yeah, Bud Tour was an awesome years. Um, yeah. You know, I actually had some pretty good run during that, during that era. I mean, we had a couple of events and I think that the Bud Tour is where that was, you know, the era of what Jay was talking about when he was the youngster coming up and we were kind of the old guard. Um, but I, there was a year where I finished in the top 10 of the Bud Tour, uh, made a couple of finals in a season and, and had a pretty good run. So, and, and there was the heat winners pool, which was kind of cool. If you used to win heats, you'd get a hundred bucks. And so you could kind of make money and, and, you know, and world jungle was supportive. We were there doing videos back in the day and that was a good time. And you uh, didn't have to shell out a lot of money because, you know, a lot of the events were in California and then I think one on the, or two on the East coast and then one or two in Hawaii. Yeah. And, and, and ultimately you had your own rankings there, but then you could also do the world tour, um, and actually get enough points to be able to go do the triple crown. And that was the one thing that I ended up doing was my goal was like, hey, let's go do a couple of the cool events around the world, you know, go as a posse. And so we team up with you know a bunch of the Santa Cruz guys and we'd just go and do it as cheap and deep as we could. Um, and, you know, the Bud Tour being part of that and the and the ASP at the time, 
um, and we'd have these great careers. We'd do a couple of events. We were shooting videos with TR, making videos, and you know when we were home, and then going to the North Shore in the winter, and, and that was, and you could make enough money. I wasn't buying homes at the time, but certainly was able to pay my way. Yeah, yeah, and that's all you really cared about back in the days. I mean, no, exactly. we're young. It's like <laughs> yeah, going like to surf swell. trips, <laughs> taste yeah. well, right. Lyndon used oh, to hate it when I was going quick, uh, quick strike missions. <laughs> I, I was just about to say I was so jealous that Lara would work maybe like, well, in, in the beginning when he was still young and, and starting out, you know, he'd work like maybe a week or two at the shop and then leave for like three months and come back and you'd be like, you bastard. Job would still be there. Yeah. Yeah. Come on in. There was value to that, though, Jay, right? I mean, yeah, because you were able to come back and tell the stories, and that's how the HSS, they've got the coffee shop. Yeah. It becomes this hub that everybody wants to, they want to hear from Jay, and tell me about that story, that session, you know, whatever, before social media, where everyone knew knew it already, right? Like, this was before that. I mean, it was so so fun to work at the shop and hang out, I mean, with like-minded people, talk to her, make a little bit of money, but that wasn't really... It wasn't what it, it was about, no. It was just about <laughs> hanging out, seeing girls come in in the summer, and you know, going surfing out front, coming in, helping yep. out, sell some All products. Salty, come in, hey, what's up? Oh yeah, you see that one? <laughs> I'll meet yeah. you at Tower Two. That that's it. Tower Two was our hangout. Yeah. So after that, I mean, that that period there, then all of a sudden, Mavericks kind of came in to my life you know that was um in the 90s like first early 90s so the 80s were all kind of chasing that you know asp doing all that and then the 90s kind of came and, and that was the start of a whole new surge in my career i mean i remember that's when quicksilver stepped in was that there was like 93 i think where they they were a part of it um so i was with them right out of the gates and, and they were helpful they were advertising and mavericks was there and they were doing the event they brought men who ride mountains um you know yeah all of that kind of happened all through those nineties was, so, so you charged Hawaii when you were going over there, but when's the first time like you really kind of thought big wave surfing is what I want to do. Well, that first, when I was telling you about that U S championships, that's actually a very pivotal time for me as well, because I went and we stayed on the North shore for that period. So that was 84 Makaha U S championships. We drive around, we we're staying at the Kui Lima, just in the turtle Bay condos there. Uh, with but guys, Mark Machado was a big part of that during that era. He was staying at the house. Mark Gowen, a shaper. Uh, Will Church, who is another guy. So and Adam, those those are the guys that we went there with. And I had my quiver, which was a, a six ten and a six four, <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I had. But we stayed there, and those guys talked me into a session at Sunset Beach. Um, Mark Gowen had a seven six that he let me borrow. And that was the first time I'd ever been on a board that big. And I ended up going out there with those guys. How big was it? I mean, it was probably barely six feet, but it felt like it was 20. You know, like (laughs) at the time, you're 14 years old. um, You know, Lyndon would have called that like 60 foot. (laughs) Yeah. So? And it was like literally, it was like six to eight foot probably. I got a nice big West Bowl one. And I remember kicking out in the channel and it was the most exhilarating rush ever. And like, I was able to do it pretty easily on my own because you're out there by yourself. It's not like the guys are like, here, line up here. You know, I was like, uh, I just blindly got into one. Um, and that was kind of the hook at, at 14. That yeah. That was my first, yeah. On, on a seven. So it was like, that was, I knew that I liked it. Um, but then it took uh, obviously you know, a few years after that, but I did surf Waimea when I was 16, 17 years old for my first time. 
Um, I, I actually had a board that my dad made me. It was a, a 9-0 single fin that I brought from here and brought over there. I wish that board was around somewhere. I ended up leaving it there, and I never saw it again. But um, uh. that had a Surfers Alliance logo on it. <laughs> so, if you see it, white single fin free line. <laughs> it's in somebody's collection right now. Right. They're not giving it up. NorCal, though, has, you know, even Santa Cruz, you, you guys had some big wave spots yeah we did but at the time it wasn't like we had big boards right yeah. we were ocean, we were used to the big ocean part of it you know you'd have to punch through middle peak would get big occasionally but we would never ride boards over seven foot yeah um, you know the lane was only a place that you would ever do that uh when it was big we didn't know about mavericks then you know that didn't come till the 90s so um one of the things that i that you know it just was an accustomed to that bigger water uh that yeah. was the part that that I liked. And I think that that transitioned to the North shore pretty easily. Yeah. What, what, uh, what, what year did, did you win the cold water classic? The, the Bud tour. Well, I don't even know what, who, who managed it. Did, was it Panasonic maybe tour back then? Clarion. Clarion. Uh, there you go. Actually, I, I could, I could even pull out my Jersey right now. If that, I, think, <laughs> I think it's up there in the rafters. <laughs> But uh, it's a Clarion. It was the Bud Surf Tour, but I mean, they say it was a Coldwater Classic because it just got kind of lumped in when Coldwater wasn't. Part yeah, of it. it was O'Neill. It, it was. It was actually um, there was a Bud Tour one, and then there was a QS one. And I think the QS one. I don't think ours was a Bud Tour, was it? Do you remember? I, I think it, it was. I think it was just a Clarion Tour. Yeah, was, I think back a, then it was when it transitioned from the Bud Tour to to the QS. Yeah, but it was sponsored by Clarion. So yeah. So when, you know what, what year was that? 97. Wow, 97. Okay. When did that? Uh, so you were in the final with me, as I, I recall. Yes. You, Chris Drummy, and Anthony Roof. And Roof. Yeah. For and, that contest that you won, Pete? Yeah. You were in the final, Lar? I, I know. Rare. One of the rare, <laughs> rare Lar, finals I've been. Lars only made three then. Three finals, right, Lar? <laughs> <laughs> Three more than you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Touche, um, brother. Touche. I, I mean, I, I used to um, come up when I was a kid to Santa Cruz quite often to do those NSSAs and stuff. And I'd hang out with, you know, Omar and Julian and Kieran Horn and that kind of, you know, younger generation. And I loved it up there and uh, always had a fond memory of good surf. And then. I think that paid off because, you know, years later I ended up making that final with, with you and Ruth and man, it was intense. Well, Laura, would you get last? I did. I, I'm either a winner or I last. But I couldn't, uh, the waves were pretty good the entire week and I, I felt like it kind of slowed down a little bit that last day and consistency and who's going to be on the first wave of the set? Him himself, the Condor. Yeah. He's on the oh, second wave of the set. There, oh, I, Rufo, that was my. Rufo, that was going to be my next Rufo. question. What, where, and uh, who, who named you the Condor? Actually, that's funny. Um, it, that one came from Chris Gallagher, of all people. Sick, Gally. And uh, and he coined it um, in Puerto Rico, PSAA. Um, <laughs> That trip, for some reason, like we were traveling all together and, and somehow the Condor came out of it and it kind of stuck. I mean, not a lot of the crew called me it. It was more the media jumped on it a little bit. 
Um, is it because you got a wide wingspan or, or what? I think there was some bird-esque <laughs> to my style, yes, definitely. That was part of it, you know. And, and I yeah. thought it was just a style and how you glide, you, you know, you glided across the waves and style. Hey, and you I got a better name than Mark Richards. <laughs> Richards is what, the wounded gull? <laughs> and the wounded gull was my favorite surfer when it, when he, when like that era in the 70s, like he was the guy that I loved. Oh, yeah, to. for sure. I mean, he was obviously the same size as me and, yeah, how tall are you, Pete? I'm 6'3". Damn. He's That's right two there. of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was 175 pounds back in the day. Now I'm, I'm around 210. So I try to, I'd love to be at 200. Things That's pretty good. Yeah, it's all right. You know, it's all right. Uh, you start getting above 220, and then you start working. It. <laughs> it's a little harder to get to your feet. Yeah. Awesome. So, so talk about Mavericks. You're transitioning in the, in the Mavericks. And, I yeah, mean, was, you know, was, for, for guys like me who is, I can't, I can't look at six to eight foot waves like, like you guys could. And anything beyond that is I'd never look at. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, for, and that, and most of the people listening to our, our podcast are probably the same. Oh, no, they're all, they're all tough guys. <laughs> they all charge for sure. <laughs> no, but like, dude, like you're the real deal. You're, we're talking. You guys are a real deal too in the old podcast world, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. But seriously, like, how did you get acclimated and and comfortable in in those crazy situations? I think a lot of it came from that. Like I mentioned about that session at Sunset Beach was one part of it. Um, and then there was a, and then going to Hawaii, surfing Sunset Beach, I had a crew that I, I went with every year. I, I'd make it, you know, so I, it was something that I was drawn to and I, I was pretty good at it and I loved doing it. So um, that kind of part was just that it was an easy transition once Mavericks came into my life because I'd already had some experience writing bigger boards and, um, and you know, obviously it was just up the road. So you're easy wearing four, three and boots. Um, we had, you know, Richard Schmidt was, was in the Eddie at the time. And like, that was somebody we looked up to. And then, I mean, the very first time that Mavericks came down to Santa Cruz was from Dave Schmidt and Tom Powers, which were two guys that surfed the lane all the time. And they, and Vince Collier was also part of that. Yeah. Um, and they all came back and was like, Oh my God, we all got to get boards. And you know, they were, the video came with it too. Um, called so, the red triangle. So, so those guys were the first guys to say, Hey, you, you, you know, we went, we went up there. It's gnarly. You guys gotta. You guys gotta come and check it out. Yeah, and it was in all of our posse's from the Acker brothers to Loya to Skin Dog to Flea. Um, you know, it was, that was kind of the posse that that ran up there on on the next few swells. You know, we all borrowed boards from Vince, and I ended up getting some boards made, and you know, we all just kind of went for it. And that was in '91, I think, was the kind of the start of it. '92, uh, and we, you know, it, it was it was just a natural thing because we all were pushing each other at that time, whether it be video parts, you know, cause we were yeah. working with VR and uh, Josh Palmer was a big part of those, the VHS video thing. And we were, we were just kind of just doing our thing and there was guys to tape it and it kind of came around and obviously that's when it kind of hit the media, um, you know, in a big way. And it so, just, so a, take us, professional career, but just allowed me to keep doing what I was doing. Take us back to that first time that you, you walked up to the cliff and looked down and, you know, 
It was actually, it's funny. Uh, I mean, the very first session, that there was no such thing as, as checking it. It was kind of like <laughs> suit up and you're out there. It, it, the posse was like pretty much, yeah. I mean, it, it, you could kind of run up the cliff from the backside of it and have a look at it, but you couldn't see what it was. I mean, you, you just saw water. You just, yeah, you, it was so far out there. Um, and we, and you have to walk down there. You pretty much just walking down there and you're in your suit and you're going. So that was it. We, the first paddle out was a long paddle out around and it was with all the boys. Um, and it was scary, but also something that we thought that we were all willing to do. And since you've got four or five of your buddies doing it with you, um, and a mentor that was showing you the ropes, then, you know, we just tagged along and it was a pretty easy thing to, to go there and do it. <laughs> you said easy. Because you, you know, you're not going to say no to your boys, and and we all wanted it. We were all, you know, it was like, you know, mid twenty, late twenties, I think, uh, is when that kind of happened in ninety one. It would have been twenty three, so it was like perfect timing. Yeah. What like what was the uh, size board, and how big was that first day you guys piled out? Uh, um, it was. It wasn't a massive day. Um, but then again, if it's breaking on the bowl, it's still scary and intimidating. Um, it was probably all of 20 foot that day and we were all on 10, 10 sixes. Um, <laughs> I actually had a board made that was like 12 something, but never ended up really end up writing. It was just too big a board, but Vince's Vincent was the one who was making boards for all those guys at the time. And, um, I just happened to ride a, a nine ten of Josh Loya's that was perfect. I ended up buckling it. It wasn't on that. So I don't know if it was the first session or second session that that happened, but um, did you get you know, a beat down? I got a nice little beat down, and and you know came out of it unscathed, and was like felt like a hero, and wanted more of it. <laughs> wow, it's exhilarating to have a, a, a wipeout and to be able to to make it out the other side. Adrenaline junkie, right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you come back. I remember the you know when you're done with a surf session, you've never felt more alive. You know. That was something we were all drawn to. And you guys didn't do any, like, previous training or anything. It was just pretty much... Oh, we were surfing a lot. Well, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but no, it's not like... It. I mean, in that era... Yeah, there's no breathing techniques. Not. Yeah, there wasn't... There wasn't there's, no, there's no... There's no, no walking underneath the water with a, a big boulder in your hand? Nope, no skis. No... I mean, the only thing that was out there was a boat, a fishing boat, which, um, you know, it was a a big rad and they would come out with Doug Acton on the boat and he would shoot off of it. And, uh, you know, the year that Mark Fu died would have been what? 94. Wow. As I believe. Right. So, um, that's when it kind of came into the limelight for the whole rest of the world is when he passed away on that swell. And that swell was one of, uh, that, that was like a, a period where Mavericks really came to premonition because it broke for a week straight. Wow. Now, I don't know if you remember, there's the Jay Moriarty Iron Cross, right, with him jumping off the ledge at a 16, yep. 16 years old. And that was the start of the swell. Chris Brown's on the cover of that one looking at him as he's falling out of the sky on Surfer Magazine. So that started the week on Monday. And then it's we surfed it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday, all five days in a row. And it was 20 foot every day. Um, which you, is never- you surfed it every day for five days? Five days straight. It pumped for five days straight crazy and then ended up that ken bradshaw and uh, and i'm sorry slipping my mind now but uh, i they came over from hawaii and that was on friday when they finally showed up so i mean they'd seen you know i don't know if there's any photos but that story coconut wireless had gone haywire 
Did, and did food, Mark food died on that swell? On Friday, on the Friday of the wow. of it all. So that was kind of the end, you know, there was like, and big wave surfing had been more pushed, um, than anything. And that, that same, that Friday with the day that he passed away, I actually ended up getting the cover of surfing magazine, wow. uh, from, from a barrel. And I had left that morning, um, you know, after that said hi to foo. I mean, we'd literally been surfing it so long. Um, and then, you know, said hi to him. And, and then that was the last time we saw each other because, uh, he ended up passing away and then Mavericks didn't break for the rest of the year. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty heavy. And then that was obviously there's a bunch of photos that came out of that and yeah. uh, story of Mark Fu's passing. And that's when Mavericks was on the map. So in my mind, I'm thinking you guys are fucking out of your mind <laughs> for doing it five days in a row. Like, t- t- tell us about like what you think about when you're, how, I mean, you know, how many, first of all, how many people are out? I would say at that time it got, it was getting, I wouldn't say crowded, um, but there was probably 20 of us, you know, because like I said, there was a crew that was from the area, um, you know, the Matt Ambrose, Jeff Clark and his crew, there was a bunch of guys kind of doing it, Grant Washburn, um, they were all there and, and then our Santa Cruz crew, we'd come at least probably six or seven deep, <laughs> you yeah. know, coming from the coast. So, so how many, a- how many waves like are coming through every set and, and is like, is it? Is it coming through all the time, or is there like long lulls? Like, I know certain swells are different, but you know what I mean. Like, for for somebody that would never go and and like, like you're probably surfing for a couple hours because you're not catching a ton of waves, but you know, what I mean? like, because the 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 way the swell were. I mean, I, I can actually describe each day um, in that five day period because the very first day was a long period. It was 20 seconds. It was kind of inconsistent when you have those longer period days. And that was when Jay paddled into that very first wave. That was one of the first waves of the morning. It was howling offshore. And I remember waiting, going, oh, I'm going to wait it out a little bit. Um, I had a, a John Carper, JC, this guy, um, Rusty Moran. You remember Rusty Moran? Yeah. The reef charger guy. Anyway, I got one of his boards from JC at that time, and I had it. And I waited to paddle out uh, about a little later morning, so the wind was backing off. But I, I got out to the lineup and I remember that was the thing that happened was Jay had just, you know, hucked himself over the ledge and it was you know, again, 20 second interval. The, the wave is more massive than it is tall. Um, it's a lot harder to catch cause it's moving faster and it's, it looks like a slabbing, like, you know, 12 foot slab when really it's a 20 foot slab. So it's hard that day and guys weren't really making waves. And you know, it, that was kind of a tougher day that, that Monday, um, couple made waves. I remember I got one that I made, <laughs> very nicely and then the next day the interval drops and that tuesday the swell kind of pulled down a little bit still all of 20 foot but uh, at 17 seconds you're a lot more approachable um, and are you pulling in the tubes like big old no, no we're, you're we're just making drops the that's the thing we're hugging the shoulder after jay's center of the peak no make you, you know we kind of all started going over to the shoulder a little bit to make it and you had to uh, especially when the 20 second interval so then that, that Tuesday was more approachable. And then Wednesday, same thing. It actually was glassy in the morning and a notch bigger, but it was 17 second interval again. And it was, um, and Jay, I remember Jay was going off that day. Uh, it was ripping, um, got some waves on a different board. Cause I ended up breaking my board on Tuesday Ended up going back to a board that my dad and I had made that was a 10 footer, um, and rode that Wednesday. I got a nice wave that day. It was actually an Arnett ad from that. Um, Sick. Sick. <laughs> Uh, but I remember that day was on Wednesday, the Thursday again was down a slight notch. It was like 15 to 18. 
And then Friday came back up again, and that was the day um, that Fu had passed away. And, you know, that was when Mark Parsons had, you know, and Brock Little had that nasty wipeout on the way before it. And then Mark Fu was on the wave after. And, and you know, Mark actually hit Parsons underwater. No way. Yeah. So, I mean, if you – because they, the way before Parsons and – Brock went on each other. Brock actually burned Parsons and they both got just annihilated. And Parsons was way deep in the bowl. It was like right in the center of the peak and he got blown up. Um, and then he was underwater and, um, had food had taken the way before that. And, and so ends up that they end up having the wipeout. They end up meeting each other later. And like Brock's all, or, uh, Mike was saying, Hey Brock, how is that when I hit you underwater? And he's all, you didn't hit me underwater. I didn't hit anybody. And he's all, Oh man. And then that they ended up going to the beach, and then that's when they saw found food at the, the harbor. Oh it's, my gosh! You must he, have food underwater. Did Foo's body wash up into the harbor? No. It, well, the current pulls you down to right to the very where the entry of the harbor is. It, it's kind of the longshore current pulls you down there, and, and they end up finding him on the Deeper Blue, which was the boat that was shooting um, from that day. They found him, and Parsons was <laughs> on that boat. There's a there's a video around of that session, and Steve Spaulding shot it but he, he was shooting in the back of the boat and Parsons was super rattled. And that was when he said that he had hit somebody. And, um, wow. It's pretty How eerie. Cool story. So eerie. Yeah. How, like when sets come in, I mean, everybody's just trying to scratch into anything, but sometimes, yeah, two or three guys are dropping in on a, on a wave just to get one. It's, it's pretty dangerous, huh? Yeah, it is. Um, and it's, and it's probably more worse now because you've oh, got for sure. 50 guys out in the lineup. So, um, and all with inflation vests. And, and I mean, you think about it, but the inflation vests, that's something that's really helped out our world um, in big wave surfing, as much as it has probably grown the sport, <laughs> you know, and had more people in the water. Save yeah. one, sure. You're pretty instrumental in helping that Quicksilver out with their vest, weren't you? Yeah, I, I participated in it. Um, and knowing their vest is, is really well uh, done. Um, it was done by Aqualung, so there, you know, that partnership was really, really solid. You know, but you think of Shane Dorian and him coming from scratch and, and them building what they built, you know, to, to kind of start it, and then what Patagonia has been able to do since then, you know, and then Quicksilver. So it's kind of nice to see that the, the brands have come together and they're making some really good products now. That's awesome. Is it? Um, do you feel? Do you feel like? I mean, obviously, it's saving lives. But do you feel like it's putting some people in more danger because they feel like they have that, like, security? Yeah, I would say that's part of it. But I think we've been talking about it. And then when you, the reality of it, you know, over the years, you know, there really hasn't been any super gnarly accidents in that sense, you know, where yeah. people are just being dumb. You know, I think there's enough respect in the surfing world that it hasn't done that. I mean, it's something that could happen. Yeah. I can't say there's some story where I'm like, oh, this is distinctly something where the safety vest has caused an issue, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that if the gnarly guys are already gnarly and <laughs> they're going to go on waves and they're going to get, um, have wipeouts, but it's allowed them to come back too. And, you know, I think what's the biggest wave you've ever surfed? Pete? Um, where, where was it? Cortez. I would say the Cortez bank was, is one of the places that was definitely the biggest and hairiest for sure. I mean, you're, you're going a hundred miles out to sea, out to the edge of the continental shelf with, uh, a couple of your boys and some skis and <clears throat> and hoping to ride some waves in the middle of the ocean. It's pretty intense. It's like going to the moon for sure. But I still feel like probably some of the biggest waves I've ever ridden because of the fact that I've been there as often as I have has been at Mavericks for sure. And, and toe surfing was a part of that. What's uh, the difference between uh, Mavericks and Cortez? 
like uh, shape and, and like long like is Cortez like longer, hollower? Cortez is an open ocean style of wave, so it's a very it's similar to say I'd almost say it's more similar to what um, Nazare looks like as a wave, mm. right? As a big slopey, open faced, deep water kind of thing. Um, it doesn't wedge like that, but it, it has that big water feel that's deeper than you would expect. Like Mavericks is actually pretty shallow and it's more a slabby type wave. So you have to be underneath it. Whereas, um, you know, Cortez Banks is just this big, you're open ocean chasing mountains of water, you know, whereas are, are you paddling in or, or uh, towing? A little bit of, I mean, we did it, we towed in the very first sessions, um, you know, and that was probably the best way to tackle that spot. <laughs> but how do you, how do you line up with no no coast and no like you know nothing to like map out? Were you getting cleaned up all the time? No, actually, it's interesting you say that because um, the year we surfed it, the very first year, it's a really good lobster <laughs> fishing grounds, and there was tons of lobster pots. So we had lineups because of the lobster pots. Oh, so okay. and then even I think Healy was smart enough that a couple of our trips he brought. Uh, a buoy himself and marked his own spot for paddling. And so I think for paddling, that was something that was really essential. Yeah. For towing, it's not as, as crucial, but it helped a, a little bit, give you a guideline because it was such a huge open field. I mean, the, 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 the actual area that you surf is, is massive. It's probably a quarter mile of, of zones that this water can break in. And there's certain areas that get focused on uh, the focuses, but it is a pretty broad lineup. So, um, you know, figuring out and the tides changed it a lot too. So it's that place is, is unique and I don't think it's really been tapped into yet. I think there's still opportunity out there that some youngster will be tackling at some point in their lives. So for those that don't know, Cortez Bank is actually the the end of or the beginning of the Channel Island chain. It just yeah. never turned into an actual island. It's just right at sea level. Yep. Um, and actually a guy tried to go out and claim it. Because it was shallow, shallow he went and sank a ship out there and was trying to claim that it was going to be his island. It, it never happened for him, though, because the ship was still out there. But yeah, it's, it's in the middle of, you know, it's right outside of, I mean, you go to San Clemente Island, which is what, 40 miles out or something, and then you got to know another 45 or 50 to get wow. to the bank. So you're you're out there for sure. How, and you guys would stay like a night or two on the boat? and or I had, yeah, I kept, I had, I've done a couple different missions. Um, one was on, Actually, two missions on the, the a boat called the Terrible, which is now decommissioned for for those trips over there. But um, that was a really nice boat to go on. It's right in Newport Beach. It was it was a, a big, huge boat that took us out there, and we slept on it on the way out. Uh, the very first trip was actually on a fishing boat that Gary Clisby's boat to be on. Uh, wow, uh, the Pacific Quest. Um, that was the name of the boat, and we left out of San Diego, um, and. That boat was just a fishing boat. We just cruised out in the morning. Uh, you know, we left at night and cruised out. Didn't sleep much, <laughs> but um, once we were there at dawn, and uh, it, you know, it was Brad Gerlach was on that trip. Mike Parsons, Skin Dog, and myself, and then uh, Evan Slater was on that trip as well. And that was the very first one. It's in Step Into Liquid, the very end of that show, mm. that movie. That's the trip that's on there. It's, it was a pretty magical trip for our first time. Wow. How big was it? it Oh, he, he, I think ended up Mike Parsons won a won a, a biggest wave ever, right? It was sixty eight feet, I want to say, maybe sixty five. I can't remember. Uh, it was big. It, it looked superimposed. Yeah, right at the time when you looked at it. Nowadays, you're like, yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, nowadays, it, well, the lip wasn't that thick, and it wasn't that hollow. <laughs> like you know, you start di- <laughs> dissecting it. It's like, shut up. It was big. <laughs> 
Are yeah. you uh, are you you're not still charging big stuff, are you? Um. Well, we I I was prepared this winter um, to do it. I the winter before was a pretty good season at Mavericks, and I had some fun sessions. Um. So I still have the desire, and a lot of it comes from John. Um. And because John kind of like there was a part where I was like ah maybe I'm waning away from it, but then he kind of got an interest in it, so that brought me back. So it's like ooh you know and I. Um, have some really good Almeric big wave guns that are amazing, some of the most amazing boards I've ever had. And, uh, and that brought me back there and I, I kind of still want to do it. So crazy. Uh, we'll see how next winter comes. How, how, <laughs> like, is, but. As, as a father, I mean, you put your parents through this. Did your dad charge like this? No, he did. I kind of, I, I did this one kind of on my own. So, uh, I mean, I'll take that back. Actually, there is a story. Um, yeah. Of him, he took me to a place down in, in Big Sur. Um, it's a, a spot that, that you're not supposed to surf. No one's allowed to. So I got lucky, was invited to go surf it one time with my dad. And uh, that was a big wave moment when I was right around 12, 11 or 12. And I had a pretty nasty caught inside experience, again, with my dad of all times, right? He had my very first experience, right? And then I get another one when I'm older where I get cleaned up. And he was outside looking at me as I was stuck inside and, you know, 12 12 foot wave landing on me with my little board and it was scary because that was the first time i'd been caught inside by a big wave and uh you know he couldn't do anything but just watch me he says my eyes were like golf balls as I was watching. <laughs> that happens so another, to me all the time so he charged a bit too he, he was one of the guys that brought me out to one of my first experiences and one that i remember as being wow that was scary yeah <laughs> so he he taught me that part um, he also taught me how to shape too, and and he's also given me this you know business that I still work in that I'm in right now. That's awesome. So being a dad and, and now John, how old is your son John? He is twenty. Twenty, and he's he's had the big wave bug for a couple of years. A little bit. I mean, he's a very um, he's cautious in his approach. With yeah. He's not like looking for um, every big wave going around the world chasing it stuff. But when it's when it's there and we have the opportunity to go together, he he's into it. And he does. Nice. He surfs it really well too. I mean, that's the thing too. Is that when you well, watch how, him, how do you end up being a goofy footer? <laughs> <laughs> that's why my dad's goofy foot. So it's oh, your dad's foot. goofy foot. Yeah. Oh, skips generations, yeah. right? I, it, so far, we'll see what if, if John. I'm not rushing John to have a kid, but you know, hopefully, he gets a regular foot. <laughs> so if my grandkid will be a regular foot. That's cool. Um, is, I mean, how, how awesome is that to share the lineup with your, with your son and, and, you know, have those father son trips or just sessions and, you know, it's, it's really cool. And you know that, um, yeah. you know, it, it's something that you're sharing a passion that you've shared, um, you know, with your family that's been passed down generation to generation. It's something that I love and will always love. And, uh, it's been, it's, uh, like I said, it's, it's awesome. You know, <laughs> like if someone were a football player or, or a baseball player and they're able to you know, teach their kids how to do it. Yeah. And they ended up, you know, being good at it. It's, it's awesome. You know, and I get to share in the experience. Um, I get to vicariously kind of live through it too, a little bit, with, you know, but like I remember his first big wave, like I was filming it. And I was like, go, 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 go. Yeah. You know, I'm losing it as I watched him just get smoked by it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> at and, Mavericks you know, or, or... The ski, I'm able to go help him if he needs it. He's got the flotation vest. So, I mean, just teaching him how to do it right. Right. Yeah. You know, I sent him to the to the brag, which is the big wave risk assessment group, which I suggest for anybody who's aspiring to be a big wave surfer. Yes. To go take a course like that, um, learn the ropes, get the relationships with people, because brag is a you know it's starting to go global now, and those guys do a great job. And 
uh, each year they're doing the North Shore thing where they, they teach you and you get the uh, the Walsh brothers there and uh, Brian Kailana. Like, it's like you get to share this knowledge from all over the world and yeah. it's an awesome get together. And so he took place in that. Yeah. So you just learn how to do it correctly and take the right steps. That and they, I, you, I mean, each big wave has its own like nuances and, and having those locals or somebody tell you, Hey, the current's here, the rocks are there. When it's, this set's going to swing over here, like just having that info is crucial too. Super crucial. Um, and it's value. And that's the thing that's kind of cool about it is that there's this uh, unselfishness in the big wave realm and, and sharing that, that because everyone wants to go home to their families. Right. Um, yeah, you're going to have to have respect for the locals that live there and you're not going to get the best waves, but they'll teach you how to, to surf the place and to not put themselves in danger. <laughs> so it's always a little bit of a thing where they're teaching you, Yeah. So, but also um, saving lives, right? And, and they're going to be there. And if you know how to get picked up or, um, you know, from a ski or know how to drive a ski or all of these things are so vital uh, because they're part of the tools now for surfing. So there's like a hand, handful of like, notorious big wave spots around the world you know if you look at like california you got you know mavericks you know mexico northern baja you got todos you got cortez bang obviously hawaii you got jaws and maui you got ship sterns you got nazareth is it like a bucket list to like hit every one of these spots or <laughs> or the, if the opportunity you know comes across you're you're there i think there's certain allure to, to all of it there was an era where i was you know we because Punta Lobos is another one down in Chile. Oh, right? yeah. Uh, yeah. Pico Alto, they're part of the big wave tour. When that was happening, that was kind of cool because we were able to surf these new waves. Um, and there was desire there to go to, to these spots. Nazare was one that was like, ooh, I don't know. You know like, that one that's, was pretty that's the weirdest looking mushy wave ever. <laughs> but it's by far probably the biggest wave in the world, the right? The biggest I mean, wave yeah. in the world. You think about it. You're, that is the biggest wave. You're going straight. You're going fast on a mountain of water, big wedge. It's unique, but you're not surfing the wave as yeah. much. Yeah. You're, you're surviving it. Yeah. <laughs> you're just right. you're but holding on for dear life. And there's an exhilaration that, that is part of that. So I, I get it. I understand that. Um, that's not one that I was like just chasing it down. Yeah. I had my experiences out there. I've paddled it. Um, it's a unique wave, and it is the biggest wave in the world, but... It's not something I'm chasing after. Like Mavericks, yeah, yeah. you can kind of, for me, that wave is it's set up to be where I can actually back off and take off on the shoulder or whatever and, and still have a great time and not have to push it in the bowl. You know, whereas as Nazareth is a place where you're pretty much going to pay a price at some point, yeah, right? Yeah. But if you could surf, you, you could go out of Mavericks and, and not even have to catch a wave, right? And, and barely get your hair wet. Because there, it's all over. It, yeah. Right. And so there's, I mean, Jaws is another place where you pretty much have to get yourself your hair wet and have the chance of a 60 footer going top to bottom on your head. Yeah. <laughs> place scares me too to paddle, right? Because of those reasons. Whereas Mavericks, you can outrun it and you can. So for me, that best paddle wave is there. Have you surfed yeah. Jaws? I have. I've paddled it. I've towed it. Um, I, I haven't. There's not a point where I'm going, gosh, I've got such a great wave out there. And it's not like I'm drawn like the boys are now that these guys are. You know, and there's a lot of people there, so that's not something I'm chasing down these days. But what? I'll still go for a session at Maps. When were you uh, the, the big wave commissioner? Well, that started right when um, the WSL kind of took over. They they had, at that time that was what five six years ago now, um, and the big wave tour Gary Linden was part of it and running it at the time. Um, he had Mavericks in there, and he was able to kind of make a deal with the WSL, and that 
at that time when they made that deal, they also wanted to bring in somebody else. And it was an offer that was given to me to do it, to help Gary in kind of the integration of a rule book and, and doing all these things that, you know, we kind of had an unsaid rule book that Gary had put together, but it was more of a, a limited thing. And so we, you know, when there was a lot of other stuff happening, we, we just kind of worked together and, and that's when the WSL had it. Yeah. Um, and there was like, at one point, I think there was like six or seven events on the tour. So trying to design, you know, a tour all around that Gary had great work on it. So I kind of had to deal with the athletes and the invites and that was politically challenging for yeah. sure. Oh, yeah, that's got to be hard because you can't, you know, you got to run it in one day. You know, you, yeah. you got to, can't have too many guys out, keep it unsafe. But yeah. there was 24 guys were invited to each and every event and you're trying to have a tour and, you know, how do you get everybody invited? How do you integrate new blood? You know, so it was like kind of a lot of stuff to think about and how we tried to do it. And that's where we came up with like uh, the surfer of the year through the Surfline performer of the year. We tried to have a QS, quote unquote, and that's kind of how it worked for a while until the tour has now changed. There really yeah. isn't a tour. There's only one one event. But um, it kind of had a nice aspect that, you know, that was designed pretty well. But it just was a matter of running events. And it was tough because Mother Nature was in control of that. Yeah. Yeah, there was, um, I mean, I remember the K2 was doing the big wave, you know, which was what I think Taylor won. That was Bill Sharp. Bill Sharp is still running. That's the big wave awards, dude. That is going on. The dates just ended. We're actually looking at nominations for this season. And he's been doing that thing for 20 years. I mean, that was, yeah. That's and, the event that's lasted all of them. And it, and it migrated to the double XL. Yeah. Right. And then that's what it's called now. Well, it's and, and it was called the double XL before that's the actual, oh, okay. right. Cause it was the Billabong yep. double XL cause Billabong did it forever with yep. Bill Sharp. And then the, it was acquired by the WSL. And so now it's the WSL double XL awards. Yep. Um, and it's still going. As a matter of fact, I said, like I said, the, the waiting period just ended, um, you know, and I think they were going to see a lot of awards given for, uh, Nazarene, <laughs> yeah. Nazarene Jaws, which is always the case. So, what's the category? So they have like the biggest wave, biggest barrel, best performance, right of the um, year, right of the year, tow in, paddle in, right of the year, uh, all of those. And then they have the performers of the year. Uh, yeah. And so it's it's something that's you know everybody can can, can participate. Yeah. So it's a, it's a pretty neat event that Bill has brainchilded up and still doing it. Lara did some investigative reporting here. Uh-oh. And it looks like you did some stunt work. <laughs> I, I did have a stuntman world. Yes, I did. I actually played myself as a stuntman. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty tough gig. Yeah, For, and those do- documentaries <laughs> starring no, Pete, Pete Mill himself. Oh, uh, geez. You know, that was, it was pretty cool because I got to double dip in a movie. No, I was... Um, that was Gerard Butler's film, uh, Chasing Mavericks. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was the story of, of Jay Moriarty. Yeah. Uh, had a cameo in there. I think I had two lines. That's not El Nino, boys. That's <laughs> El Jefe right there. <laughs> <laughs> line. I it took a while to rehearse that. <laughs> yeah, it did. It definitely did. And you did some voiceovers for Mattel? Oh, uh, yes. I did work I went into the South Bay and I did a Barbie movie as a surf commentator. That's one of my highlights. Is uh, if you were to look back in my what? <laughs> yes, that was that was post Happy Feet. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was kind of the same era. I mean, it's funny. Mattel did Barbie movies. I got a couple of those for yeah. my daughter. <laughs> oh, actually, me no. <laughs> and Mattel produced them, so I went yeah. to Mattel right there, right by uh, the LA airport, and 
and uh, did some voiceovers for uh, Barbie. You should check it out. It's pretty funny. Yeah. What's the movie called? Do you remember? Uh, shoot. A Mermaid's a Barbie movie, A Mermaid's Tale. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna, I think, no joke, I think we have those DVDs. I'm going to look in our old pile of DVDs and find it. Oh, you're killing me. <laughs> We'll open up the week's mark uh, promotion with uh, a Barbie clip. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of, of, of prior careers or, or uh, occupations, how, how did you get into the commentating world? Uh, that's funny. Um, it just happenstance, really. I mean, uh, there was uh, Jay Johnson who did Surf, Net- Surf Video, uh, Surf Network. Shoot, what was the name of his thing? But he did webcasts, and he did webcasts of um, local events. You know, they had all the brands own the big events. Um, so Quicksilver would produce their webcast, and they'd have their guys. Then there's Billabong and have their guys. And I kind of started off doing the little quick events. events. Yeah, and Jay Johnson gave me a gig, and uh, I'd work with Dave Stanfield, the voice of surfing, and we were um, partners there, and he taught me a lot, you know, on how to, to work together and how to, to – uh, take notes because that guy was the master of knowing what everybody does um you know now we just look at our phones and go to their instagram and stuff but back in the day you had to write the stuff down and know what their ages were and when they changed their age and when their birthdays were (laughs) so i started out doing that and dave was a big part of my life for that that period of time because it actually brought me into working the quicksilver events because all of a sudden they're like hey this guy can kind of do it and so i worked the quicksilver events and then when the wsl um, I went to tryouts uh, uh, with Jed Pearson, who is still producing those events now. I remember having to meet Jed and, and do a tryout. and was at the U.S. Open and ended up uh, getting a job, and I'm still there. That's, uh, that's incredible. I mean, we were obviously embedded in this uh, surfing world, and we love watching the, uh, the tour in the WSL. And you, I, I think they put a really good, you know, broadcasting you know um personas together you know all of you guys work together well and, and yeah. I, I i could hear and see the passion and, and when we you ross you know like strider you know pots even barton you know when you get guys that obviously you look up to and you know what you know the legitimacy of what they're you know they've been through what they consider a good way versus a bad way versus this it's 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 refreshing to, to have like good opinions. You know? yeah. and that's what you guys are. You're calling it as it is, but you're throwing your own opinion in it at the same time. Well, and it's, it, a, it's an analyst, right? That's what our yeah. Job. Um, you know, and you think about all the experience that all of those guys have had over the years. I mean, you, Potts is just Phil Barton, same thing. Even Ronnie Blakey, you know, he's been part of it forever and, and has a great understanding of it all. And, uh, Ross Williams, obviously, momentum generation, yeah. which you're part of there, J Dog. Um, yeah. So, like, there's a ton of experience, and that comes across um, in information. Plus, we have passion to share something that we love so much. So, it, yeah, I think it does come across, and it's genuine. So yeah. How, how does it, uh, when the tour is on, who decides, or how do you guys decide which events they go to? How's that uh, work out? It's interesting. I think it. it really isn't any um you know some of us um have been on a certain legs um it, it depends it's it's up to the boss really <laughs> you yeah. know what you're doing you know because like um, do, do they rankings are <laughs> do they say hey you know what events do you want to go to because like obviously yeah. when it's yeah. chopu and, and tavarua and 
you know, the Australia, it's like, I'm going to put my name in that. Yeah. And I, and in the beginning of it, I wanted to do every event. Um, now I'm kind of realizing that's yeah, a lot. So yeah. I've kind of, you know, I've dialed that back a bit. Plus I do the big wave stuff. So I'll do that kind of intermittently. And, and that gives other voices too, right? If you're not doing every single event, I think that, you know, it helps to kind of come and do a refreshing thing. And they really want to have the surfers be a voice too now. So they're bringing the surfers in a lot yeah, um, in order to kind of really build, build their profiles. Um, and I think that that's great opportunities, having them in the booth and having their expertise and talking to them about certain situations that have happened and all of that. It's like, it's basically a podcast with surfing kind of interrupting it you yeah. know, throughout, the, throughout the whole time. <laughs> and that's kind of how they want to build it now. Um, yeah. So just having everybody's perspective is, is refreshing and it keeps it fresh. That's do, cool. Do they, do you think there's going to be a world tour this year? What's Good your question? I mean, I know that there's, um, you know, I, I, Pat O'Connell's, uh, you know, the VP of the tours and com- competitions, but he's a big part of, uh, you know, working closely with, uh, with Eric Logan, that they're tight. And those are the two that are kind of brainchilding what's going to happen next. I mean, Eric Logan has a great understanding of what works. Um, and you know, media, you have to build media and build the profiles and that's what he's good at and that's what he's doing. And then you've got Pat with all his experience in competing. Um, and marketing, he's, you know, doing a great job at making sure the tour will happen. He's not going to put it out there until it's safe. Um, and if it means that we don't have a, a, you know, this year, 2020, it could be, but I, I know that if there's a chance that they can do it and do it safely, that we'll get it done. That's awesome. Yeah. It's what? unfortunate. Cause we, we, we love, I mean, just like every other sort of fan, we love the fantasy, you know, league and, and betting and talking, fantasy talking smack different. to each other. Oh Yeah. Um, and it's hard, right, to choose the winners, man. Yeah. It's so hard. <laughs> this, yeah. I think you got it all mapped out, but man, I, I like I got this one for sure. I'm always like 1.5 million short of having a dream team. <laughs> I, and it's and and this, early in the season, Jay. You got to pick your winner horses early. Uh, I'm not going to give away my strategy, but yeah. This this year was, you know, shaping up to be a a really good year. You know. I agree. Yeah, you know, I was able to be there for that. Uh, last event to watch, uh, you know, Jack make the tour, and I think he's going to be a great addition. Oh um, man! And well, Griffin looks guy, like another guy that I kind of like. That, that the last guy to get in, Morgan Morgan Siblick, right? Here's a guy that just came out of nowhere, right? He is he South won. African? No, he's Australian. Australian, okay. Yeah, and he's like literally was the last guy in, but you know, to see him come out of basically. You know, you barely heard about him at the beginning of the year. You know, I, I started really hearing about him when I went to the Spain event. And he ended up getting like a he, – he just did really well in the 10,000s, you know, like 17ths and 9ths and a 5th here or so. And he did pretty well at the U.S. Open. And then went to Hawaii and made the tour, like, and from nowhere. And that's the kind of stories that are so cool to see that yeah. can happen because it feels like sometimes it's not that way, but it is yeah. that way. You can make it from obscurity. Course. Yeah, and get yeah. there and do it. And fulfill that dream of being on tour. I mean, I feel for him now, you know, making the tour and then not being able to compete. Yeah. That's got to be heart, heartbreaking. But hopefully uh, there is a tour at the back, yeah, right. the back end. Yeah. This just gives us later to fine-tune his equipment and get a little more healthy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even, he's, uh, he is amazing. Think he's, about that guy. <laughs> he is truly amazing. Kelly Slater. I mean... Uh, you know, he's close to 50 years old and he's surfing at the level of the top tour guys and still doing it. 
It's crazy. I mean, if the waves are good, he can win the event. Yep. He can beat every single 20-something-year-old out there. Yep. And that's why the Dream Tour is so cool is that you've got – I mean, a place like G-Land, for example. Oh. You know, you remember Where how good – G-Land supposed to be? Um, well, that's the that's the one yeah. that hasn't been 100% canceled yet, I don't think. Maybe I might be wrong there, but um, – yeah, Is that July kind of, or something? Yeah, it's it's Oof. it's the fourth event, I think. So it, I don't think the odds are great for it. But hopefully it comes back next season. Yeah. 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 I love it. <laughs> we, we run out. We, we're done. We're good. No, no man. This guy. This guy is usually just on it. Hey, I want to. I want to talk about. Um, we touch base a little bit about towing. At what point did that kind of come into like big wave surfing for you guys? Like for you and your crew. Well, uh, it, it's interesting because the very first time I saw it, I was I witnessed um, Derek Dorner and Laird Hamilton do it. Uh, off of Zodiac, I was um, up at the pillbox watching that go down, like um, from Sunset Beach. So I was like, "That big uh, Wednesday?" Uh, yeah, no, it was. It was. I mean, I, I couldn't even tell you the year that was. You know, Buzzy Kerbox. Those guys were doing on a Zodiac out at backyards. They were and doing towins off of Zodiac. Off of Zodiac, and that was. I mean, Priesty. That was their first idea, you know, and and it was on a seven six board that he was riding. He caught a wave at outside. Um, backyards and rode it through sunset beach uh, um you know towing in with a zodiac <laughs> so that that way like i said i was early 90s yeah uh and then i took me till pretty much 97 for me to actually get a ski um and it, you know and i we had saw the strap crew and doing all their stuff but we didn't really translate it to going to mavericks until that year in 97 and then all of a sudden it was just gangbusters <laughs> we all were going every swell doing our towing it at 10 feet <laughs> but we were learning you know and we were able to tow actually down here in the bay which um you know it was great big beach break barrels and so it was an era that was amazing yeah because it opened up so many different places in the bay that we you know we went to ghost street um that was part of that whole era and that was a wave that you could solely tow it you didn't really want to paddle it yeah and i my first trip down there was with adam we went down and, and towed ghost trees and it was just because we were you know, partners and wanting to find new stuff, you know, and that's the adventure of surfing is finding new stuff and doing new stuff. It's inspires you. And so it's, um, that was an era that I, I truly loved because of that. Yeah. But it also gave you guys opportunity to, to catch bigger waves and stuff that you couldn't paddle in. Yep. You know, and it, it changed the way our equipment was. I mean, we started riding quads on big boards. We started shortening our boards. Um, you know, I ended up going to Nelscott Reef with Adam during that era. We went to Oregon, you know, to go explore and find waves. And we were one of the first ones to ever tow that spot. Um, you know, so again, it was just this sense of adventure that came with, with this jet ski, <laughs> which we just went everywhere with it. Went to, went to, like your, Easter like your, the ski. yeah, it's like getting your driver's license at 16. You're just yeah. like, oh, giddy. Like, where can we go? Let's go. Yeah. Fill it up. Let's go. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I watch some of the kids are do it today. I mean, John and the Groms, they go down to Oceanside and they go down to in that era. Yeah. And they do it when it's one foot so they can do, you know, 60 foot errors. Yeah. <laughs> does, does your son still live up there or down here? Or? He's actually in your hood. He's an HB resident um, right now. What? He's, yeah. He okay. lives on Hamilton. <laughs> so, Off the Hamilton? Yeah. That, that's a rock throwing distance from us. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he's, he's in your hood. He, he serves RJs all the time. That's kind of his go-to. Nice, um, nice. Uh, 
he, he has his Newport roots from when I actually did my stint at Quicksilver, which is a whole other part of my life that I didn't even get to talk about. What did you <laughs> do at Quick? I was a marketing director for the Waterman Collection. No way. And, you, and I did that for four years. Did you live down here then? I did. I lived in Newport Beach. Holy uh, crap. I did an industry run and uh, worked at Quicksilver, went to the office, was, <laughs> was a marketing director. You can believe it. That's, uh, that's, that's awesome. insane. <laughs> yeah, it was a fun part of my lifetime, you know. Um, <clears throat> what part of Newport? I was on uh, the, in the Lido Triangle. Okay. Right there by uh, the Lido Theater, just a, a rock's throw from there. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it was actually a really good time. Um, I learned a lot working at Quick, uh, you know, and, and, you know, did all sorts of cool stuff. We built line guides and sold, you know, older uh, or, or esteemed gentlemen's <laughs> yeah, yeah, get the terminology yeah. right. <laughs> I know what you're selling now, right? Season. <laughs> Pretty much. That's cool. I mean, I mean, what a great company to be associated with. And they, they, the crew of people they had there and still do is, is awesome. Yep. No, it's, it's true. I mean, Danny Surfing Kwok. Surfing DNA. Danny Kwok for all those years. Um, you know, I worked under uh, a lot of great people. In, in that era, in that time, you know, Bob McKnight being a big influential part of it too. He was a major part of, you know, my sponsorship, but also in the mentorship of me working. Yeah. 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 So, There's a uh, lot to learn from, from all those people. Um, so what just, years was that? <laughs> shoot. Now you're challenging me. So <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you the actual years, but I know it was five years, about five years ago. Okay. Now what, where did you, where did you, where was your spot to surf? Um, my go-to was uh, HB and, and Newport. Okay. Um, I, I went to Trestles as much as I could uh, during that time too. I mean, anytime I had that extra time, I'd drive down that way. But uh, HB Pier, man, I was I was doing a little bit of that. I, I, I'd mix it up. I didn't have a like direct go-to. I mm. kind of went where it was uh, the best. That's how I am. I'm all over the place. Except lowers. Can't go there right now. I know. <laughs> they just <laughs> closed it. Which, which is interesting because, you know, that we get to a daily time now, which is a really interesting era, but they just closed the beaches here in Santa Cruz. And I was wondering how that was going to unfold if people were going to be surfing. I mean, this morning it was kind of stormy, so I think that was an easy decision, but it cleaned up a lot now recently. Yeah. And I'm wondering if there's going to be guys out in the water yet, but from what I can see, no, no surfing yet. So, no, I mean, surfing. no one's testing the boundaries. Nobody. Yeah. But I mean, I know that HB, you're saying that you guys are still open. We're but. still open, yeah. I, I tried to surf today. It wasn't that good. But yeah, yeah. it's just a matter of time. I'm, I'm crossing, we're knocking on wood and crossing our fingers that uh, they don't shut us down. Yeah. yeah. It's tough. I mean, you guys are a surf city and it's tough to be able to do that. And I mean, I, I understand. I mean, because before all this, I was going to the beach. I mean, everybody wants to go to the beach. That seems like the most safest place, you know, you've yeah. got the, open, yeah. you, you know, and uh, it gives you that open space and you can see the horizon is so far away. And, um, yeah, so I understand that there's that draw, but it, you know, and that was the place that con people congregated the most. Yeah. You know, I, it, it still is, I think. That's our park. That's our, that's our, that's our, our place is the yep. beach. Um, so going back to, to being a dad with a son, 20, who obviously is in, in, the, in the scene of surf, how, how hard is it to negotiate like contracts, to stay relative, to do the tour, not do contests, like to have a personality, 
how important it is to put out clips and social media, like well, way different than when we grew up. No, a hundred percent it is. So it's kind of hard to guide a kid uh, in that type of realm. You just got to be creative. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's a lot of uh, very creative people out there, you know, that have, have carved out little niches. I mean, right now the, the industry is a little bit challenging, um, especially yeah. nowadays, but it is one of those, um, <clears throat> The era now, it's going to be, you have to be super, uber creative. Yeah. Yeah. And on it. Yeah. And on it. And, and, and not not just rip, but you got to put out lots of content. Lots of content. You got to be a producer. What, what boards and uh, what what equipment is your, your is John riding? Say again? What equipment is John riding? John is riding Channel Islands. He's been with Channel Islands uh, for about four or five years now. And uh, that's been really helpful, having really good equipment under his feet. Uh, they've been super supportive. So he, he rides the Happy right now. He's got a couple Happy. He's got a, a full mix of different boards. Yeah. Uh, but all Channel Islands. And those guys, like I said, have been super supportive. Yeah, it seems like Channel Islands has kind of come back a little bit with a, a lot of cool board models and, and marketing it really creatively. Yeah, and I think a lot of that was Brit kind of putting in his, you know, his kind of DNA. Yeah. Uh, so you can keep the Merrick DNA in the brand. It was very, very crucial. Um, but then you've got guys like, you know, the younger crew kind of coming into that stable too, you know, that Connor's boy, Walter's and Andrew's, the guys that all shape in there and they all share, but also it's part being part of a, a brand like that Al started way back when Channel Islands is, it's, it's, it's going to be one of those brands that stays true because of where it came from. Yeah. And you ride them. You ride them too, right? I do. Yeah, yeah I do ride them. And I, and I, you know, I've gone through from John Carper. I used to shape myself, my dad's boards. Um, but those boards have been consistently some of the best boards I've ever had. Yeah, yeah. Here, here, there. Um, going back to like, you know, the social media stuff. Like, what is what is like? I mean, for you guys on tour, is there? Like being a WSL, you know, broadcaster, do they require you to post? Do you try to do you try to post? Do you keep it separate? Uh, it's been the, kind of for me. I guess it's the the Peter Mel brand is is kind of all encompassing of the shop and, and the WSL analyst and the surfer um, kind of. Yeah. Model. So I don't I don't really specifically market WSL stuff. I don't really I don't have much of a sponsor these days since I'm not with Quick anymore. Um, we you sent know, you an outer gnome box, bro. That's right, and I'm wearing, you know, so that I've opened up my horizons in an outer gnome box. I've been actually wearing that stuff. It's very nice. Thank you. No <laughs> problemo. Yeah, I mean, Larry, you better you better step up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not required per se to do it. So I actually, at this point, I, I try to. Um, stay away from social media as much as possible <laughs> but I, I get caught up in it just like everyone else does yeah well I, I mean I, I love it the fact that it's I mean I follow you and a, a bunch of a bunch of buddies in the industry and, and it's awesome just to see where people are at what they're doing you know kind of check in and you're, you're still connected without obviously I mean when's the last time we had a, a conversation except bumping yeah, into each other somewhere it's been a long time it has it has Jay but it, that. you're a good friend you've been too, around too, long too, too long to be honest but yeah. um, everybody's busy in their own ways and doing you know carving out their own path but it, it is nice to have that connection I mean social media is easy to get lost in and easy to get caught up in nonsense but it's also a really useful tool have, I think the key to a good social media thing is to have a good feed 
don't yes. go too too much. Like make your feed something that when you look at it, it's going to teach you something. It's going to make you smile. You know, and it's not going to get you riled up, right? So yeah. you, want, yeah. you want that thing to be something that's going to make you walk away good-hearted and and, uh, and happy, not not pissed off and grumpy, <laughs> right? So hone your feed. That's what I've been people? doing lately is is taking off uh, people I've been following that I don't really need to follow. Yeah, right? I mean, that's yeah. what I'm saying. You start to, to refine your feed, so all of a sudden you look at it and you're like, huh, you can walk away happy. Yeah. So you're, you're pretty involved in West Coast, in the Santa Cruz Board Riders Club, right? West Coast Board Riders Club. I wouldn't say I was heavily involved because when it first started, I was gone for everything. Yeah. So I didn't get to participate in the very first few events. Now, I recently was able to get into the 50s, and I had to earn my spot. I had to surf my way into it. Um, and then now that I've gotten my spot, I've been able to surf in a couple of events. And I had been told by John, because John was participating in the board riders, and I, my son. And he'd tell me how fun they are. And I knew they would be fun. I just yeah. never got to participate. And then when I got to go down and actually see how... Um, how the things work and how you get to see all of your boys, right? Yeah. You get to see the four yeah. generations and um, we have a ball, you know, and the Santa Cruz team as a whole has to travel at least a few of the events and they travel as a team, right? Yeah. They literally all go together and they're, they're kind of a raucous bunch, it's but they're, so cool. <laughs> they're super entertaining and, you know, and they, they've kind of upheld a, a, a DNA and uh, something that it's kind of been from Santa Cruz as a whole. We've all kind of traveled really well together and yeah. we're fun fun loving group and every time we're, we're hanging out together something happens where you're just like next thing you know you got a spontaneous like um skate contest going on or all of a sudden you got music playing you know, or there's a party all set starts you yeah. know there's it always kind of happens and uh and people will love it like it's it's fun it's a fun event do you see go ahead Lark. i just said i i love the fact that we get to you know hang out with, you know, old friends, you know, old, com- old competitive friends. And then you get to see them as, as parents like ourselves. You get to see the kids. And it's just like a really good atmosphere. The generations all coming together. And when we came up to Santa Cruz, my kids were like, who's that? Who's that? How come you know everybody? This is, you know, like they were just blown away that I'm in. Like, you're not such a kook after all. <laughs> well, they still think that. But, you know... Th- just being, you know, in another town and seeing, you know, a ton of friends and a ton of, you know, old relationships. And it was just cool to have the kids around and see that you know, and check out a really cool place. You think about the common denominator. Once again, it's the sharing of waves riding that we all have been attached to as youngsters and never got away from it because yeah, we love it so much that we can now all of a sudden go anywhere on the coastline and run into somebody it, you it's uniting there. all the communities yeah it's yeah. A, it's it truly is cool and it's and there's not a lot of lifestyles or or types of things that actually has such a rich history yeah with with these stories that we all know that we've all told each other over the years um and, and you share them with your kids and it just keeps going keeps yeah. growing yeah um i have a question and my mind might be a little foggy but um <laughs> This was a uh, Gold Coast, I think it was a quick strike kind of mission. It was either we were up in Sydney or Newcastle, and there was a cyclone going, and we charged down to surf Kira, and it was when the old Kira Hotel was right there, and um, I, I remember Johnny Boy Gomes, I think I remember Davey, little Davey, I think I remember you, yeah, yeah. 
Chris Ward, I think you, me, maybe Benji. I don't even remember, but I think we scored like three or four days straight. And our entire hotel was um, <laughs> here. Hotel. Yeah. Because they had pokies there too, right? And pokies yep. and the middies, right? They had good cold beers and that was the place to hang. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. Nice. And you stayed there for cheap. It was like, what, 12 bucks a night or something? Something really cheap. Yeah. It was awesome. Awesome. That was, but again, yeah. those part of those global tracks that you you have and you get to, you know, remember about them. Um, yeah. It's great stuff. So Good stuff. You've uh, you've obviously surfed Kelly's. Not enough. Not enough. <laughs> I don't think anyone feels that way, right? No, no, not at all. But you you have, right? I have. Yes. Yeah. And uh, tell us tell us your experience. Um, I was it was interesting. My first time, like everybody was wanting to find their time, right? And as commentators, we're like, ah, come on, we got to have our, our commentator day, our commentator day. And we just never got put it together. And so all of a sudden, I remember Adam, the best man at my wedding, one of my best friends, obviously, he comes across the street and he's like, yeah, man, we're doing a wetsuit meeting there in Billabong. I'm going to go surf the pool. And I'm like, what? And I hadn't surfed the pool yet. I was like, ah. I was chattered. I was going to surf the pool for me. Um, and I remember at that point, I saw Wingnut was was there at the pool that he, he was there with, um, I don't know who he was there with, but ended up being there with, with Dirk Ziff and his family. And they were, they were, had their own day. And I called to check in with them. Actually, I was texting him. I'm like, so, uh, you got, you got an extra spot. And just randomly just texted him. And he's like, he happened to be sitting around the fire, I guess, with Dirk and, and actually Connor and Sage had the next day as their day for, um, for them to get to train to for practice. For, for practice it and, yeah. and pulled, they had just pulled out and so my timing was impeccable what <laughs> and I was able to like literally Dirk's all so you want to come here and get your day at the pool but you better be here tomorrow at 9 I'm like yes wow and uh, I got to surf it for a day which was just it was me Leo Fioravanti um, uh, Caroline Marks and Frankie Hare so four of us holy wow. shnikes so it was a pretty rad day from from like seven or eight in the morning yeah. to treated, treated like a king. It was amazing and for the whole later, day, like what till till five or six at night. Yep. So how many waves did you get, bro? It's probably. You could, I mean, guaranteed you're starting at least twelve, starting on your own. Oh <laughs> so I'm very my! Never had the experience again. Oh I, my god! What what board did you bring? I brought a bunch of different ones. I actually actually. Almost had an incident report there. <laughs> <laughs> Almost got written up. Um, so they, they tell you during the safety meeting that you're not supposed to lay down on your board. Um, I, of course, was using <laughs> my phone and I was taping, way, doing something, was not paying attention to the safety meeting. I'm surfing in a pool. I didn't think I needed to pay attention. <laughs> I wasn't very good in school. Um, and I ended up jumping down to my belly on the board and then all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, and it surges and it pulls you and you end up getting surged up over the wall. (laughs) I I heard about this. Oh, you did? Yeah. I almost had the incident report as a word of mouth. Yeah, so I was the guy who got swept into the wall and I broke my fin out of my board and went into the wall like at mock speed. (laughs) And uh, I almost almost hit the wall, but luckily there's a big moat there that stops you. But... Uh, lesson learned. You're lucky you didn't tear the uh, the, liner. the liner. No, I was the big the liner thing. That was the big issue, right? Don't tear the liner. 
Wow, <laughs> you got lucky. You got lucky and lucky. Yeah, well, I, it, yeah, and it was. I only tore my suit. I tried to stop on the liner. <laughs> There's a on the concrete part <laughs> <laughs> before I went into the wall. Um, didn't have any success there. Didn't hit the vent pipes, which was another one that you could actually do is hit the vent pipes. I, so, I got uh, stitches. The board hit yeah, the nose of my board hit me in the nose or in the eye. Yeah, no, it stays with you, right? So if you fall in the same spot, you'll stay on the in the pool parts part of it. It's when you get pushed out in front into the flats is when you do it. So anybody yeah. going to surf the surf ranch, don't fall onto your board. And listen, listen to the uh, instructions. Yes. <laughs> yeah, listen to the safety meeting. I guess that would be the first part of it, Jay. Thank you. <laughs> so have, has uh, have you gone to Waco or? I have not. Okay. <clears throat> Not yet. Um, there's a bunch of new ones out there that I would love to participate in, and I was hoping to maybe get to Melbourne. I think Ronnie actually had us a reservated um, date to go to the one in, in Melbourne. Urban uh, surf. Yeah, and, and we were going to have that day, but unfortunately they canceled that, so yeah. it wasn't able to that. We'll um, get there. We'll get there. It's, it's cool to see all the different technologies, like that plunge pool, the urban, you know, whatever, garden, whatever, what do they call that one? Uh, urban surf urban yeah. surf i mean that's that's the same guys that are doing the the waco one right so yeah that's magnuson and that crew um they, they do a good job that that one looks good and equitable and um, you know that the ultimate though is really the surf ranch being that it's just the most perfect wave right yeah <laughs> yeah um and then you know but that, i think there's a there's a market for all of them um, yeah right it, so it crazy like, it's so crazy that there's going to be three or four in Palm Springs. Yeah, I know. We just go for a surf trip. Hey, let's go for a surf trip. We'll have three different days. And hey, the, the ladies could like lay out and get the sun and have some cocktails and, and I'll be in the pool. Do, do 18 a golf too? I mean, come on. You got crazy. it all. You and it's all. an hour and a half drive from us. Yep, it's true. Have, Maybe two. Have you, uh, have you gotten into foiling? I have not. Okay. Um, I like it. Matter of fact, um, I think it's some of the best training that, that you can see that those guys can do. You can do it at any time. And um, I was interesting. I was in Tabarua with uh, Nathan Florence and, and Kybor Garcia, and, and they are just junkies. They were junkies at the time. And like they literally were looking for the day to go foiling rather than to go surfing. It was, you know, so that's how addicted they were yeah. um, to it. And again, it's just great training and it's fun. Um, and I watched uh, a kid's name who's from Tahiti. Uh, he's really good on a foil too. And I watched him the other day right out in front of when we were on the North Shore this year, and he was having a ball. Um, yeah, I, if I lived somewhere like Hawaii, somewhere warm, it'd be all I'd over. be on it all yeah. over. But yeah. home, it's like, place yeah. with kelp, right? Yeah, <laughs> kelp, kelp and foils don't work real well. <laughs> Danger. We didn't get. We don't have a lot of foilers here in town. Uh, but Hawaii, I see it being something that would be pretty cool. I'm not a hater. Yeah, I'm not, not a hater. Anything that gets you out in the water, gets the exercise, I'm all for. Yep, same. Yeah, it's crazy how many innovations and new things have come out over the years, right? Wave pools, spoiling, you know, big waves. Like yeah, the vest, the um, Olympics. Which is interesting to me is like I feel like that surfboards can get to a point where I think we'll start seeing something that a change there. I mean, I, I think the the cost part of it right now is something that, but if you ended up putting a lot of energy and time and money into something with, 
for surfboard design, you could come up with something pretty darn cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, and there's, there's companies out there that are trying to do that. Uh, you know, burial is one of those, you know, trying to look at different foams and, um, epoxies and carbon fibers. And, you know, I think that design's slowly getting there, yeah. but I, I think yeah. there's so much more to give, uh, especially in construction and, and flex pattern. I mean, snowboarding is a great thing to look at because you look at what designs have worked there and the flex is so critical for them, even though it's a different medium, but you could get that same kind of idea of a flex pattern to me feels like when you have a board that has great flex, yeah, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's something that, you know, you can have a board that's exactly the same to a T as far as measurements goes, but if the flex isn't spot on, like your foam isn't right or the batch yeah. of foam is you, you feel it. So I feel like a flex is something that we should dial in really, really deeply um, in the future. And I think that they'll see some great stuff. Cause it's also probably personal too. Like where you're, yeah. some people pressure more on their front foot or back foot. Yeah. You have to find your preference, you know? Yeah. Dr. Scholl's a surfboard. So you need to have like where your foot, <laughs> where your foot pressure goes. <laughs> it's true. You know, so I think, that um, I, I mean, you look at, like you said that the glassing, if you have if you have somebody um, glassing a board in cold climate versus warm climate and the way, like how quick the resin dries and how much squeegee off the, re- you know, you can have the exact same board, but it's going to react totally different based on the materials. hundred percent. I mean, and every batch of foam is mixed, you know, and they blow it. And, you know, again, the temperatures in which that construction's made, the blank. Yeah. And then, you know, when it's glassed and how that glass, and then the sander where he's putting the edges on it there is a lot of variables that are hard to dial in. Um, you know, even, even in boards that are basically pop outs, right. That they quote unquote supposed to be the exact same are going to have their subtle differences. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you guys uh, holding up at the, at the shop or, I mean, we're in a time where retail's closed. Yep. I'm in the store right now. Um, we have been closed since uh, the last day of business was on the 16th of March. So, um, we've been closed and it's so no money coming in and, and we're counting on, you know, a little help from, from some of the brands maybe. And also from, from the government and, and you know, at the time we're, we're kind of just waiting it out. That's the best thing we can do is I think if we can get through this as quick as possible, we can get back yeah. to business as quick as possible. Yeah. And I think that's a real understanding of why we see that the surfing stop here in Santa Cruz. Cause that was a place that was one of the last places that you'd have recreational people hanging, you know, and, um, so it's going to be helpful, hopefully to get this thing to slow down and, uh, we don't get any, you know, unnecessary death really, to be honest, that's the craziest thing about it. That's yeah. what we have yeah. to And it's are sobering, you, very, very sobering. Are you guys, yeah. uh, selling online or, or like offering we, curbside yeah. service and all that? Um, we, we have our phone numbers on the window. So if you, you need something and, and have to get it from our store we're available that way um online i have not uh, set up a major online thing we've never had to worry about that over yeah. the years yeah um you know and it's something we definitely have to look at now i mean online business is a whole separate business you know and if i'm you know commentator slash surfer slash retail slash online retail uh it's a lot and yeah it and it's a lot to ask of my wife to you know to tell, to, tell tara <laughs> we said hello I will. She's here. She's cruising with me. And we're, like I said, scouring the shop, cleaning it up. So when we reopen at some point, we're going to be no dust bunnies. Um, all the products been covered. Uh, and we hope to have, we have some outer known in the closet still in their bag. <laughs> Wait to get put on there as soon as we open the doors. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, part of part of our our you know platform here on this podcast is just supporting small businesses and obviously surf shops and you know entrepreneurs and everybody that's just you know trying to share you know their little world to yep. the uh, to their neighbors and community. So I mean, we really will uh, love to try to support you know your shop through this uh, interview and, and get people to you know know that it's a family business and it's, yeah. it's owned by by surfers and that you know hey you know next time you're gonna go buy something just make sure you're you're, you're supporting your local dude yeah and thank you you know and, and and we you know we have a lot of people who cruise from all over the world that come to our store every year and so it's been kind of a bummer because we're just starting to get into that season you know they've yeah. got the south swell in the water and it's pumping down here yeah spring and, break and, you know, it's been tough not to have that um that part of my my life you know that we get to share surfing with people through our store yeah um, you know like i said we have a website that we you can go to and there's there's an email there and that's why i've been answering emails people looking for materials like resin and we sell resin and cloth and all that stuff so a lot of people aren't at work so they want to do all these new projects yeah um free has been around since 1969 right celebrated 50 years this summer that's yeah. awesome, man. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Um, we'll get through this and, and still be around. So. Yeah. And, and throughout the years, right, like how many, you know, how many people, when, when, when it's prime time, how many employees do you guys have? Right now, it's probably between 15 and 20. Wow. In one really? store. Hey, we got a youngsters, you know, they, they only want to do limited hours, right? Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to be doing full-time. I mean, I've got my full-time regulars. Um, I got Wayne, who's been with us for you know almost twenty years. Brittany, who's been with us since she's our manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's yeah, she was a rinse grom. We had our a wetsuit rinser, and she was one of the, at twelve years old. <laughs> now she's our manager. She's been with us for that long, uh, so she's twenty plus years. Yeah. And then we've got a you know Clue Coletta is you know second generation shaper. He's in here, um, and then we got a bunch of the groms. You know, a bunch of youngsters that are in high school. They're great to yeah. help out here and. You know, again, they, they work probably a total of 12 hours a week, maybe, you know, or 10 hours a week, not not full-time. So a lot of part-time and, yeah. and then our, our full regulars that have their shifts and love it. Yeah. Yeah. How, how much wax do you miss when those kids are uh, working? <laughs> I don't know. I Hopefully they, you know. But that's... They, they can have free wax. That's part of the job. Yeah. It is. It is. That's part of the perks. You get free wax. Yeah. They're on yeah. team wax. Team, yeah. team sponsor, and that's kind of like what we want to remind you know listeners why you should support you know independent retail shops like yourself is like not only you know are you supporting your family right you're supporting other families you know True. like you said you're you're employing twelve part time kids but you're you're putting money in people's pockets you know yeah no, and it's just, it, 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 and you know, they, you support your family and this is part of your family, which is employees and you want to keep them and, uh, you know, have them back to work. Um, and so it's, it is tough not having them here in the store. Yeah. I'll say that right now. And you guys have been doing that for 50 years. You yeah. Know? It's so, epic. Really, really cool. Yeah. yeah. My dad's done a great job and you know, he never overextended himself. We always just stayed to one door and kept it kind of simple and just stayed next to the beach and did what we knew worked. Um, you know, my wife was an instrumental part of expanding our clothing world. Uh, my dad was all about hard goods and only hard goods. And then yeah. Tara kind of came in here and said, yeah, we can get some women's clothing. She's like, women's clothing? No, 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 it'll work. You know, and sure enough, you know, it grew uh, the women's side of the business. You know, she was a big part of that. And 
obviously the remodel that we've just had uh, in the last five years to, to, to give a little facelift to the shop. So um, she's a critical part of it as well. So is it freelinesurf.com or freelinesurfshop.com? Freelinesurf.com. Nice. Is, uh, and, and again, you can email us through there. Uh, we've been, you know, if people are coming through town and they needed to get something and we're trying to do our best to fulfill those orders. Um, but again, we're, we're more about trying to stay safe. So it's like, I don't really want a ton of interaction. Um, yeah. I yeah. want to get through this thing right now. And I think that that's the best for everyone. So, um, you know, again, I'm not chasing the dollar by any means right now, but um, as soon as we open, I'd love for you guys to come and visit. Yeah, we will. <laughs> you hear that, people? We will. Right? They will. Well, shoot, I think we got a lot of good stuff for this episode, man. Is there yeah. any um, things you want to promote or talk about? Or No, I think we, we covered a, a good part of it. You know, again, I think that we kind of riffed on it in the very beginning about how surfing is able to been, allow us to have our relationship here, but it also um, allows us to have relationships with our families. Yeah. Um, you know, so surfing is really cool. And I think that there's something that needs to be, you know, respect the ocean so that we have it for generations to come. Cause it is the common denominator, which will give us peace, happiness, and love. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, well, Pete, you're an awesome human. And, um, I, I, Always enjoyed uh, surfing with you and hanging out with you. I love watching you on WSL, and I wish you all the best. Yeah. Yes. Same to you guys, and uh, let's get business rolling back at some point. But keep up this stuff so you can at least get us entertained uh, while we're while we're hanging out at home. That's our <laughs> That's job. It. That's our job. <laughs> Pete, Peter the Condor, right, Mel, Freeline Surf Shop. I'm not going to mention that have, <laughs> that have stuck with me even to these days. Condor's <laughs> <laughs> a nice tame one. Yeah. Well, thanks, buddy. Thanks for your time. Thank you, guys. All right. right. Peace. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams, for our awesome artwork, and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.